Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Today's episode is all about broth and soup, and it reminded me that making broth is a small investment that pays off in many ways for us and for the people we care for. Keep listening to hear about the many ways we make and use broths in our kitchens. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. How are How- you? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, as usual, so happy to see you and so happy to chat. I have lots to chatter about. I mean, I'm just always happy to see you and talk about food, which is why we're here. And there's been something on my mind that I've been wanting to talk to you about. Tell me. In, I mean, in my mind, you're just like the queen of broths. Oh like my you just God. live in a world of broths on your stove, in your oven. You're always canning people's soup. The queen Mason of broth. Jar. Like I just feel like everywhere you go, you have like a you're like the Mary Poppins with like a carpet bag full of mason jars full of soup, and then just like magically like come out of your bag and there's more there. You're never gonna believe this. I have to interrupt you. I delivered broth to two different friends this morning. Yeah, um, exactly. They're I, just magically appearing from the sky in your house. <laughs> well, there I had a, I literally had this like woven bag of <laughs> mason jars that I left at my friend's door this morning before everyone woke up, and um, that's really what I actually was wanting to come and talk to you about because. I had some, there was some need for broth. There, I have a couple of friends that are feeling under the weather and I'm having a very busy week and I spend all day, all my all day yesterday was at the office. And so in the middle of the day, I ran through the grocery store, grabbed a bunch of things, came home, threw them into a pot and I baked my broth all night long. And so I woke up this morning and it was done. You know, I was able to share it with my friends. Carrie, um, wait, wait. It's all happening too there, fast. That's a lot. There's, <laughs> too, there's too much that we need to unpack here. I just want to preface with – not preface, but I, I, I just want to say like, you know, that's always been one of the things that inspires me about you is that you have this way of like giving people what they need without them ever having to ask. And one of the things that you give are these like nourishing soups and or broths. And I was joking, but I was also being serious because you just know that if someone's sick or someone's having a bad time or grief or loss, that you'll just show up with a gift. And that gift is something that's going to feed them and warm them because nothing is more warming than soup. And I think, And I think you and I are both big soup people big broth people because broth is the foundation of soup. So yeah. I think maybe we should just clarify when we say broth we mean not just bone broth and not just broths made There's of so many kinds chicken. of broths. Right. Yeah. Wait, I want to back up and also yeah. just thank you for what you said. That's such a nice thing and I will receive that compliment. I think, you know, in some ways I think we give what we want others to give to us. There's an empathy of like, wow, when someone is feeling physically bad if they're ill or feeling emotionally in a space that they need support. You know, I I grew up in the Midwest. I moved to the East. I was moved to the West Coast almost 20 years ago. You know, I don't live near my mom. In working as a private chef, I was always in a position of supporting people 
in the way of food. And a lot of times it was that I was just that person in the right place at the right time. I, I was witness to children coming home from school and being sick. And I was the person who had the power to help that family kind of navigate that. And I was also witness to families when they were experiencing loss. I once remembered a client saying to me, he had lost his one of his parents and came home from work and their kitchen was full of flowers because a lot of people had sent flowers to him. And it's like, he, you could, he looked at me and he was like, the flowers are beautiful, but they like remind me of what I'm experiencing. In that moment, I was kind of like, don't send flowers, send soup because he was still a dad, still trying to like go to work and be there for his, like his kids like ran in and then like needed to eat dinner and every, and people still need to eat. So that's just, those experiences are what really inform when I hear one of my friends feeling sick, like what do they need? And this is kind of my gift, I guess, is like I have a big pot. I know how to do it. What you're talking about, it really taught me the lesson of like, it's great to ask people what they need and to say, hey, if you need anything, let me know. That's beautiful. And we don't need to stop doing that. And then also if they don't respond because they're overwhelmed or they don't know what they need, then to just show up with an offering, that's never – especially if you know the person and you know like their allergies, their yeah. whatever, their basic yeah. needs. Um, to show up with an offering, it's going to make someone's day, Received even if it well. makes it yeah. a tiny bit better in a very hard day. It's still that tiny also, bit better. So who's going to be like mad at the woman who like leaves bone broth on a, <laughs> on a step on your doorstep? Uh, I mean, who can yes. really be mad about that? Well, but you, okay, wait. You said something really also that I needed to unpack earlier, which is like because I think we make our broth differently based on what you just said. You well, said I make something... my broth up so many different ways. So let's get into it, right? And you. And one of them is not just like with the ingredients, which I'm sure we have overlapping and different ingredients, but you said something about you put it in your stove all night and I just don't understand. Talk to me. So I'll just admit one thing, which is like, I don't, I've been cooking for so many years. Somehow regulating temperature on the stovetop is like not my gift. I don't know why (laughs) I ran my catering company out of my apartment, my first apartment that I lived in with James you know, that was the most bottom of the line, you know, oven stove situation. I couldn't do it on there. I couldn't do it on like the most, in the most beautiful houses that I worked in, like the top of the line. This is just not my gift, like the regulation of a flame. What I have found is just easier for me is I put everything into, I have a, a, a giant Lake Creuset. I, you don't like the way I say that. I know it's you not. not. <laughs> it's not that I, I feel don't like, like you it. always. I, I just like I'm so not. I don't. I didn't ever learn French. I only know how to say it phonetically, like the white Midwestern girl that I am. Okay, so right, like this is a safe correct. space to pronounce. Let's be. Right, let's the, just be gentle to the hundreds of years of history of okay. creating these beautiful pieces of equipment. How do you say it? Le Creuset. Le Creuset. Okay. And I am not right. – I don't have the best French, French pronunciation. I did study you French. You do speak yeah, But it's French. it's le, not le. And okay. right. Creuset is Creuset. And okay. some people say le, le Creuset. Some people say le oh, Creuset. Yes. I'm it's, sure I've said it that way too before. It's okay. okay. But yes, what, what you're talking le about for someone who doesn't Creuset. know what any – all of this sounds like gibberish to you listening. You're talking about a ceramic Dutch oven. Which like Lodge makes one, yes. Staub, Staub, yes. yeah, exactly. I don't um, know. They make one, and 
Le Creuset are one of those. They're just so beautiful. It's enameled cast iron. Yes. So it's it's very heavy. It's really great at holding temperature. It, and then the enamel just makes it prettier, I think. Um, I do have the cast iron, just a straight cast iron Dutch oven. When I've had to make a lot of broth, I feel like those don't seal as well. You know, Le Creuset, I'm going to focus on saying it properly. You know, they're a it's a piece of equipment that is a big investment. And I will say I received mine for, it was a wedding gift and I would never have purchased it, especially at the time that I received it, but it is like a family heirloom. And I think it really kind of tells the story of the so many meals that I've made in it and so many different versions of broth. But I really like to bake my broths because then I can really leave them. So what I did was I left work at lunch. I ran through the grocery store. I brought stuff back. I threw them into the Dutch ovens, put them in the oven. I don't know if this is a controversial thing to say, but like I left my oven on and left my house. My mom used to leave our oven on and she would leave the house. So I feel like it's okay, right? I've done it. What temperature were you at? 225, 250. So like very low, low. so low. It's not like a raging oven. And we went to dinner at someone's house. We were gone for six hours. You know, we were gone for a while. Like by the time we got home, my whole house smelled like broth. And to get really specific, because well, yeah, because think- you said throw a bunch of stuff in the pot. And no, right. I, I want to know right. everything because I understand sometimes we're making meat based broths and sometimes we're making vegetable based broths. What were you? What kind of broth were you making? Well, yeah. So you're really touching on like the the difference. So I did make a bone broth. Bone broth is just where you take bones and water. And you cook them very lowly and slowly. And what happens is the minerals and depending on which parts of the animal that you're using, like the gelatin leaches off into the water, flavors it, and can often create like that, you know, almost like a jello. It's gelatinous. So I typically make a chicken broth with chicken parts, but you can also make poultry broths. You can mix chicken and turkey or other. What, what do you get? Do you when you went to the store? Did you already have chicken at your house, or when you went to the store, did you get like chicken wings, chicken necks? Like what parts did you use? Okay, so that's a good question because I typically like to use. I usually go to like a butcher counter and they have chicken feet, so I usually yeah. like to put chicken feet in my chicken broth because it makes it very gelatinous and it's very nourishing in that way. And especially all that cartilage is and all that. And in fact, like that's, that's an old world technique. And cause it was, you know, it's a way of using all the parts of the animal. Exactly. Exactly. And, and at the deli that I used to run, that's how we made our chicken broth is we always added chicken feet for the flavor and for the fattiness. Yes, exactly. And especially like I don't necessarily make that thick and rich of broth if I'm also putting that like, I mean, yes, into a soup, but like a chili or if I'm putting it into other things where it's going to kind of get lost, I don't necessarily need that like investment in it. But this in particular, my friends are not feeling good and I, I'm not a nutritionist, but it's like a, it's like a boost of immunity to your system. Like you're, you're adding all of these really nourishing minerals. And so anyway, I generally use chicken feet and then I use some other parts that are available, whatever's kind of on the cheap side. I do always buy organic and free range if 
possible when possible. And so I usually use like if there's wings and they're cheap, I'll throw those in. Um, If there's backs available, I'll throw those in. I generally don't use breasts. You end up wasting all that meat. You don't really need it. So something like legs, if the seg legs are on sale, I just throw a bunch of those in. If I have time, I brown those things. Like I roast them all in the oven first and then I put them in the water. I didn't have time to do that. And yesterday also, I went to this little market near my office and all they had were organic whole chickens and they were small. They were on the small side. So I actually bought two yeah, and stuck them in the pot, put water over them and put them in the oven. I didn't Salt, brown them, anything? cook them. I added a handful of black peppercorns and I think I had some juniper berries. I threw a couple of those in too. So what you you just described is that you make broth low and slow in a 225 to 250 degree oven in a pot, a Dutch oven. You do just simply bones or chicken, whatever, a combination of parts or a whole chicken and water and maybe a few peppercorns or juniper berries or whatever you have. And that's it. That's it. And then you let it like that, that go was it. That was it for yesterday. Yeah. That I really had like under 10 minutes to unpack the groceries, throw them into the pot, and then get on with my day where I needed to go. I have literally never made broth in the oven. Like it has <laughs> really? never occurred to me to make broth in the oven. It's very smart. I totally get it. I make my in a way, like all broths are bone broths if they're meat broths, because typically you're making meat broths right, with bones. Right, like it's very right. weird. You would to never not... just take the meat. You would never take like a bunch of boneless, skinless chicken breasts and make a bone broth because there's no bone right. in it. And and also that meat doesn't actually have that much flavor. The flavor is in the bones. Right. You would never take like a steak and yeah. make a, a beef broth right. from a steak. You would no, want you would bones. You, you use the bones. So yeah, I yeah. guess you're right. Any meat broth, any meat broth is basically a bone. So that's how I've always, that's like just how my family's always done it. We've always had, you know, soups and broths and made from scratch. And so my, are you curious? Because I have a totally different approach for my chicken broth. I'm curious because first of all, that's also, I generally don't ever use a whole chicken. And at some point I came home and took, I took the white meat out. Yes. And then I made space and then I did add some aromatics. Like at the midway point, I I took the white meat out And I threw all the bones back in. One other thing that I generally add is like a splash of apple cider vinegar, which I read in a book one time that it says that that helps leach out the minerals in the bones. So I had a splash. See, never done that. Learning something. There's a book. Yeah, there's a book. I think it's called Nourishing Broths that someone gave me years ago that if if I think of it, I throw it in. If I don't, I don't. I mean, so part of what you're describing isn't that different. I mean, the major differences are I use a big stock pot. On my stove top. On, the, on your on stove top, simmer. Right. I, I love to make broths on a Sunday, you know, put mm-hmm. it on in the morning, go do my errands around the house. Sometimes I even leave the house with it simmering on right. a very low temperature. Yeah, I like let it go for a while. I basically have never made a broth without aromatics. Like my broth is I throw in typically a whole chicken in addition to feet, necks, wings, or backs or a combination of. Like that you buy separately. Like that you, I buy separately. You put a whole chicken in and then you'll throw some feet in there or some backs or whatever. And if I don't have like those feet, wings, necks, backs part, sometimes I'll do a whole chicken and roasted bones that were left over. Like anytime I roast a chicken or get a rotisserie chicken, I freeze the bones. Same. And yeah, they're going to end up in my broth. Yeah. Everybody in my family now knows they all need to go into like a 
bowl or onto a plate. They don't go into the trash. No. And then they all go into a, a bag in the freezer. And then eventually you have like a big bag. But I didn't have any of that yesterday either. Yeah. So I want to yeah. stop us for one second, which is this is something I've learned from you. I grew up e- drinking, eating, consuming bone chicken broth out of a like a box. You know, that's like what my mom used. She made chicken soup that way, was like out of a, a box. And really? um, yeah, she we never had like a chicken soup that has some kind of chicken in it. I taught myself how to make broths and I've read recipes and I've talked to friends. And I think what I've realized in my in our friendship and in our conversation that we have had going on about food for so many years is that like there isn't one way to do it, but there's like this freedom. Even yesterday I was like, I just want to get this broth to my friend's house. Like what's the fastest way to do that? And I think that non-attachment of to like a recipe is really something I've learned in our friendship. I, so- I think I couldn't agree more. I'm so glad you said that so beautifully. I think broth is always about like using what you have and like squirreling away bones and squirreling like, or if you you buy a whole chicken, but you're cutting it up, then you save the back for a few, it's like investing in your future meals and then you make the broth and that becomes a new investment because maybe you use some of it right away to make a soup and maybe you you save some of it for other recipes and you put it in your freezer. That's why I love like the whole process of broth is like, the ongoing meals that you're having going to have yeah. had already. But just it's to- like an ongoing conversation and it's an ongoing like it tells a story almost of a moment. Like there's a guy I like to buy chickens from at the farmers, like whole rotisserie chickens. And and they're seasoned very heavily. And there's a lot of like rosemary and thyme in them. And we then we squirrel those bones away. And so then if I have a bunch of Mr. John's bones in my freezer and I put that into my broth, that broth kind of comes out tasting a little bit more like thyme, a little bit more like rosemary, which are not, or if you've made like a really garlicky chicken, your broth is going to come out like a little bit more garlicky because those bones that you've squirreled away are saved, you know, and if you happen to have- lemony chicken, I I really like a little hint of lemon in my broth. But But I will say, even though I don't use a recipe, and even though I'll use a combination of a whole chicken, cut up chicken, parts of chicken, roast chicken, I'll use whatever right. chicken I have in my freezer or went into the store or whatever. But there are things I always add. I add. Tell me. Of course, like. Can I guess? Well, onion, yes. carrot, celery. Pretty are much. Those your three? Then I always add parsnip, peppercorns, bay leaves, thyme. Parsley oh stems, dill stems, what? because I usually keep those in the freezer too for the purposes of broth. If I have, if I know I'm going to be making chicken soup, which I love with a copious amount of fresh dill because I'm Eastern European and my roots, um, then I'll I'll cut off the dill fronds for when I'm finishing the soup, but I'll but take the stems for the, the broth stems. or use them that day that I'm making this broth. Right. Um, and I basically have to have all those things. So sometimes they're fresh and sometimes they come from my freezer. Sometimes if I have like the ends of mushrooms, like mushroom stems, I save those in my freezer. I add them to my broth. Wait, where do you get parsnips like out of season? Parsnips are sort of always available at the store. Really? Yeah. Maybe I've just never been looking. I just kind of associate parsnips with like a certain time of year, like in the fall, like at the farmer's market, they seem to have a shorter window. Um, Although here in Oregon – you can find root veg for, I think, probably longer than in California. 
But yeah, parsnips. So are parsnips just, are. That's like an. You always add that to you to a bone broth. I love parsnips in my broths. I love their sweetness and their earthiness. They're like like carrots, but they have like a clear, crisper flavor. I just like the. I also like rutabaga. I don't know that I've ever had that. Oh my gosh, I've never put rutabaga. Okay, in so if I'm doing a vegetable broth, and then I want to hear about yours. But if I'm doing a vegetable broth, I basically now have to have rutabaga in it. It's like a cross. I, mean, I can't remember. I don't even know if I could like identify a rutabaga. Like if I – doesn't it look like a turnip kind It of? looks a lot like a turnip. It has like a purpley white skin, but okay. it's kind of a darker yellow. Like a turp- turnip's always white inside. It's like harder and larger and it is so sweet when it's cooked it is so also like rooty, earthy, herbal, floral note to it okay, that wow. I really like. And the combination of parsnip, rutabaga, and then like celery, carrot, turnip, mushroom. When I'm making vegetable broths, I have to have all those, a sweet potato, you know, just like that mix of root veg with d- different layers of flavor and bitter, earthy, sweet, like to me, and then all the herbs Creates, so like, this all. is all going into like your veggie, a veggie broth that you're making. Like all, you're just yes. basically putting a bunch of ve- root vegetables and herbs into that. Yeah. So that's actually something I. That was one of the things that I made yesterday, but I would call it a mineral broth. I've never um, heard that. Can you tell me what that means? You know, it's funny. Several years ago, I went to like conference called Food is Medicine. It was very life-changing for me. And I was also way in over my head because I went as like a chef and someone who loves food. And it was very doctor, nurse, nutritionist, acupuncturist heavy. It was a lot of people who kind of work in much more scientific spaces than I do. And there was a woman there. Her name is Rebecca Katz. And I don't know if I met, I don't remember if I actually met her in person, but I ended up with her book, which was a book about like, I think it was called like the cancer fighting kitchen. And honestly, I never cooked out of it. I gave that book to my mother-in-law who did have cancer. And I gave that book to another friend of her because she had cancer and also a friend of hers had cancer. And, and that friend of hers cooked out of that book so religiously and also cooked for my mother-in-law out of that book. Um, And my mother-in-law lived on the other coast, so I wasn't ever able to cook for her. And then in pandemic, when everybody was trying to really be super healthy, my mother-in-law, who like loves to like photocopy things and, you know, pages from the New York Times stuff, she's like always sending us like pages of things, photocopied Rebecca Katz's mineral broth recipe and sent it to us. And it just like landed differently for me in that moment. And I started making this really beautiful mineral broth. Well, what what, is, what goes into it? Well, it's it sounds actually kind of similar to your veggie broth that you make, which it's basically just like a very rich – there's like sweet potatoes and white potatoes and Japanese sweet potatoes and rutabagas and carrots and celery and onion. And it's funny. When I made it yesterday, I was just kind of doing it on memory. I don't, I don't have it like – I didn't bother to look at, find the recipe. I just started throwing things into the pot, then throwing a bunch of herbs into the pot. Like I know that it calls for like a whole bunch of, um, of parsley. I know that it calls Mm. for like six carrots instead of, you know, when I think, when I think about like the chicken broths that I make, it's like, I put two carrots in three carrots, a couple of stalks of celery, an onion. This has like four onions in it. It's 
it's the whole pot is filled with vegetables. Is one of the ingredients um, kombu? Like it is kombu. Yes, that's where I kind of when you said mineral broth, that's what made me think of it too. Because I think seaweeds have a lot of minerals, right? Yes, yeah, Yeah. and it has it has a whole stick of kombu in it, which you just mentioned using the stems of mushrooms that you saved. I didn't bother buying mushrooms, but I or I didn't bother buying fresh mushrooms, but there were there were one one of those little clamshells of dried mushrooms. I rinsed those off and threw those in because I was yeah. like, for, for sure, I could use the mushrooms. Mushrooms um, are. I think this is the secret takeaway: is if you're making a vegetable broth, I think mushrooms are really a secret ingredient because mushrooms have umami. They have yes. that like depth of flavor that meat has. And so, but without the meat. And then kombu also is like, you know, it's a foundational ingredient in Japanese broths and Japanese cooking. It's the ingredient in dashi. It's the most important ingredient. So essentially adding that makes so much sense. We can totally link Rebecca Katz's recipe. Yours is the simplest of all, which needs no recipe. The chicken broth is like, I think I'm going to definitely try doing that because it also sounds like it comes out with a very pure chicken flavor, which could be really nice too. Before we go, we could talk probably for several more hours about broths. Yeah, right? I feel like we'll continue this conversation. We have to continue this yes. again. But can you tell me like once you've made all this beautiful broth, what is your favorite go-to thing to do with it? If I make the broth for myself, I have really gotten into just making like a very basic chicken soup. And I usually my my most basic things that I add in are I do onion and celery. I saute them. I add the broth. And then I just love to use like egg noodles and I cook them in the broth so that the starchiness of the pasta kind of makes them makes it a little bit thicker. And when I add the noodles in, I usually add some like very thinly sliced carrots. Mac kind of doesn't like a cooked carrot, but I add them anyway because I also think like the carrots add a nice color. And then usually if I have any kind of green, like a kale or a chard or whatever, I like to add a little bit of that too. And so you're describing something that is actually pretty much what I do. So if I make a big chicken broth, like I'm just going to stick with chicken for the moment. But it can be a vegetable broth. It could be vegetable. Yes. Actually, either way, if I make chicken or vegetable, I do the same thing because all the work was really making that broth. Yes. The broth is very flavorful. So then when I go to make a soup, whether I'm making it the same day or pulling it out of my fridge or freezer, I cut up celery and carrot. I sweat them in a little oil with – I usually add turmeric or some other spices. And then I pour in my broth. And then at the end, I throw in a huge handful of greens. And my favorite thing, I love egg noodles. That's one of the things I would add. Oh, sorry. And I add tons of fresh parsley and dill at the end too. Yes. But my our favorite thing to add is just frozen pilmini, which are little chicken dumplings. Whether I made them or whether they're from the local Eastern European market near our house, they're just like amazingly delicate little dumplings filled with chicken. I mean, you can get vegetarian options too, like pierogi, but whatever dumpling you like. And we just add that to the broth with all those greens and herbs and that's dinner. Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and when you started sharing that with me and when you took me a couple of years ago, took me to the Korean market, that's now part of my kitchen is that like I go to the Korean grocery store, which is like pretty near where I live. And they have 
I mean, it's like Disneyland for me because they have this massive array of flavors of of all these different kinds of dumplings, frozen dumplings. And I try to keep a bag or two because of you. I try to keep Mm -hmm. a bag or two in my freezer. And what's funny is like recently I haven't, I need to get over there again. And so I've just been using that. I thought of the egg noodles because I just, that's what I generally always have. Yeah. I mean, take it in so many directions, right? And it's just all – and it can come together so quickly, especially – you put in – again, we were talking about the investment. I think it's a thing you and I talk right. a lot. I think cooks think about this. What can I make ahead that I can then turn into other things more easily? And the broth is like the thing that takes a little time. But it really doesn't take that much work. And then right. you have this like a lot of material to work with for your future meals. So Yeah, it's like it's this – yes, you invest in it. But then if you p- are pulling a frozen – pulling some frozen dumplings and frozen broth out of your freezer, that is fast food. You know, the in a funny way, it's no mistake that the two of us, you know, when we were talking about what logo we wanted to use for this podcast – that we ended we of all the logos that we considered this pot right this this idea of like I've learned from you you've learned from me we've cooked together you know you throw the salt in I throw the pepper in this is the way that people have connected since the beginning of time yes well or since the beginning of fire I guess yes, <laughs> yes since the beginning of fire fair enough and whether it was like me walking over to your house with a pot you know I've seen my neighbors do that like one neighbor walks down the street with this pot I love um, seeing people walk um, around with a pot it's um, my favorite yeah it's so lovely or well now- or like the crazy lady with the burlap bag who's like dropping off broth at eight o'clock in the morning it doesn't get better than that um <laughs> The only thing could be that could be better right now is that if I could have some of that broth right now because now I'm, as usual, starving. starving. As usual, so starving. Okay. I got to go eat. I have yes. to run. <laughs> well, thanks again for this really lovely conversation. I think it's um, it just reminds me of how much I've learned from you. And this friendship, I guess, keeps feeding me and reminding me of like all that I have learned about food and like how excited and exciting it is to keep learning about food. Oh, I couldn't have said it better than myself. The feeling is so <laughs> mutual. I learned so much even today and we've talked about soup many times. So yeah. I'm always learning from you and it's always making my food taste better. So well, to be continued. Absolutely. All right. All I'll right. Talk bye. To you soon. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating! Happy cooking and eating!